Trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you're struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode. Um, they sent me this amazing letter inviting me to symposium. Now, I'd made what the bleep at this point. So, you know, and people were, you know, I was sort of a, a, a big deal for a while. And so at this point, it was sort of the, the height of, of what the bleep. And they said, you know, we know how to do the stuff that you talk about in the movie. And I was like, yeah, everybody says that, you know, you guys are full of shit. But they write me this compelling letter. The letter was so well written, like it appealed to everything I cared about. And by the way, later I would find out from, from Susan Dones, who defect, defected before me, later I would find out they studied me very carefully. They listened to like radio broadcasts, you know, TV stuff, stuff I'd written. They studied everything about me to figure out what I wanted. So later I realized the letter was crafted to like get me to like go, oh, this is exciting because it matched every single thing I cared about. Hi, survivors. I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad podcast. Yay. Another episode. Another episode. Um, and, you know, we're, we're having quite a growth spurt, aren't we, Tara? Oh, yes. I'm so thankful that you guys came over from Obsessed and then also Crawl Space. Those are two major podcasts, and we're so grateful that you guys continue to listen to us. Yeah, <laughs> at least, or, or, or to and tolerate me. Listen to you, tolerate me. <laughs> thank you so much for that. And also, I want to say thank you because uh, on my YouTube channel, Tara, is about ready to cross over 30,000 subscribers, which is really big and if you guys haven't subscribed yet youtube.com forward slash call your landry come join be the ones to to push me over that that next milestone yes you just might be that one person you know you just like might come in the right time and then bang 30k so be that person <laughs> be be the person to impact change <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, but speaking of impacting change, we have a fantastic guest, as we always have fantastic guests. But I kind of I was really stoked to have our our guest today, Mark Vicente on the program, because I got to nerd out with a fellow filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, before I even got there, you guys were talking about the lighting, the camera lenses. I don't really know, because that's not my world. The camera world is not my world at all. Yeah. <laughs> And we're both DPs and directors, and so it was. It was you. You caught us mid conversation of just complete geekiness, and and you know he directed a film that I you know discovered, God, almost twenty years ago when I was living in Hollywood, which is called What the Bleep Do We Know, and it was like a big sort of hooey dewey thing. And I worked with some of the same people who worked on that film with him, like Betsy Chassis. I did a television series with her and a few other people, and so it was like this. Really, we have all these people in common, and it was like nice to finally you know, meet one another. It was, it was very cool. Yes. I love that. It was like, everything was connecting and even just, I felt like when we connected with Mark, who's our guest coming up, it was like, oh wow. He already felt like he was a part of the survivor squad and he felt like he could relate to us on other aspects. Yeah. And you know, his, his story is really intense. And um, for those of you that don't know, so Mark directed What the Bleep Do We Know, where was one of the co-directors, producers of that. 
But his latest project was an HBO series, actually two seasons that he was involved in, which was called The Vow, which is about the Nexium cult and the, its cult leader, Keith Raniere, and the coercive control and the manipulation and like the branding of women. And Tara, I know, I know that a lot of this this type of stuff. I had seen it because I was very interested in it because I had been approached about Nexium. Like, yeah. uh, like it was like a self-help thing. And this is like my early days in Hollywood, like in the mid two thousands. And, um, you know, I had people talking about it and I was like, this, and I said to, to my partner, I was like, oh, this just sounds like way too weird. We're like, oh yeah, we're not into this. But, um, you know, I know that, y- you know, you had a little bit of trouble watching the series and I understand why. Oh, yeah, just the manipulation, the coercive control of it all. These women being manipulated to uh, give sex to Keith. And it was just, you know, I understand if you're promiscuous, if you're... But it was like these women had to just give themselves to him. Yeah. And And they were branded, too, which is just horrific. And, you know, and... It was under the guise, and, and the, the thing that was most staggering about me, and I know I say this a lot on our program, but I, I just am stunned at the fact that other women bring these women in. And it's like, oh, no, it's okay. And oh, you've got to, and then they're like, they're like the ringleaders for the ringleader. It's, it's, it's insane to me. And one of those people was Allison Mack, who was just recently released from prison. She was an actress on Smallville. And, uh, you know, and obviously this has completely destroyed her life. And she obviously gave testimony against him. And now Keith Raniere, I believe, is in prison for 130 years or something, rightfully so. Or he's away. I, I don't know what the, I think he was convicted finally in 2022. Yeah. Yes. But you guys have to check out The Vow to get the full story. Today, we're going to get into Mark Vicente's story, and then we're also going to banter about our stories a little bit because it's so great when we meet another survivor. Yeah, it really is cool. There's a lot of similar. Unfortunately, there's a lot of similarities, but what do I always say, Tara? That we're all a part of a club that no one wants to be a part of, but we're all a part of the Survivor Squad. (laughs) We're all a part of the Survivor Squad. Well, on that note, let's get into conversation with... Mark Vicente. Yes, and stay tuned till the end for a special announcement. Special announcement. He basically, you know, seduces them in different ways. And it's a longer story, but what, what in the end, what he has access to is hundreds of millions of dollars worth of, you know, money to do whatever he wants. And like, he wants money. One of them gives him $60 million, you know, he loses all the money. Okay. Here's more money. Here's more money. Here's more money. So at the point that I leave, we're doing a calculation. We realize he has $300 million available to him right the second, right now to do anything he wants. So we're fucked. Wow. And that feeling of like, we're, we're just dead. It, it snapped something inside of me. I think in all of us, but it snapped something inside of me, which is like, I'm fucked. So I don't give a shit anymore. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to fucking take this down and burn this thing to the fucking ground. 
And not because I want to hurt people, because I want to burn it to the ground so that people can walk out. That becomes this obsession. And so, you know, so 2017, 18, 19 is just, is this, there's this obsession. And it's, you know, it was, I mean, you, you see a lot of it in the vow, but, but, but certainly not all of it. I mean, there's things like that didn't show up in the vow. Like I try to go to the FBI in both coasts. I go to, you know, uh, investigators in, in Canada, police in Canada, New York state. I, I go to all these people, DEA, I go to all these people and I say, there's women being trafficked, not a fucking peep. And so, and also, by the way, I, I uncovered corruption, you know, in some of these, in some of these, uh, law enforcement, um, I won't name them exactly, but there's a lot of corruption in law enforcement. And I think people were paid off. And so they would, they wouldn't even open files. I sent them so much information. I would say, I will bring legal counsel in to explain why this, why this is trafficking. And they go, no, 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 we have what we need. And then they'd call me later. Oh, you know, we've closed the case. I said, but you never opened the case. You told me you never opened the case. Oh, well, you, th there's no proof. I said, there is proof. <laughs> I told you I'd bring legal counsel in. And I realized, oh, you guys are trying to get away. I mean, at one point, when the FBI finally called me back, not the FBI, that, not the division that finally took the case on, but the F, one of the FBI officers called me back and, and, and said to me, how many people have you told about this? And I said, well, there's this person, this person, this person, and now you. And the, person, the, the FBI agent says to me, you know these people are very dangerous. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, motherfucker, you carry a gun. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> and so for years, nothing was done even though they, they believed these people were very dangerous. So that's kind of what we were up against. And also you're up against, you know, potentially real problems, but you're also up against your own programming, which is you've been so beaten up for so long that you're so terrified and you feel so insecure and you have so little sense of self. And, you know, this, this, this uh, cult expert, Rick Ross, when I finally spoke to him, he said to me, you have to deal with your unreasonable fears. A lot of your fears are unreasonable but you're so like fucking terrified. There's sure. so much PTSD and I'm so jumpy. You know, um, Tara, I know you were talking about this on, on one, of the, one of the podcasts you did, but like I was jumping out of bed. I'd hear a sound, I'd jump out of bed ready to fight. And, and my wife would have to like talk me down from like attacking whatever, you know? Cause you're- Yeah, I strangled my sister, so I understand. Like right after my oh. fight, I like, uh, well, she got aggressive with me and I went to strangle her because I was going to kill her. And my oh. brain couldn't connect the dots to get out of it until like my mom was separating us. And then there's something that switched in my brain like, oh, this isn't me. This is me and my experience with John. Right. So like a hundred percent, right. I guess thought. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so, it's so interesting. Um, you know, and so basically the next three years, two years, we're just fight or flight constantly trying to track them down. You know, luckily, you know, we'd for, we formed a team, as you see in the vow, we formed a team of people. So this was, so this was 2017. Is that what the time frame is yeah. right now? Like 2017? 2017. Okay. Cause he was arrested yeah, in what, so 2019? 20, uh, 2018. Cause what, so what happens is that we go to, I mean, my, so my, everybody has a job, you know, and, and my job is law enforcement. So that's, I'm going to law enforcement. I'm doing all of that stuff. Uh, just because I'm, I don't know, it just feels like, you know, I'm, I feel good doing that. 
and I'm getting nowhere. And I'm just telling everybody, like, I don't, I don't know what to do. They just won't listen to us. And that's when we eventually make the decision, let's go public. Um, so the New York Times was the way we went public. And when the New York Times article came out, you know, which basically showed Sarah on the cover, you know, with the brand. I mean, and Sarah was great because Sarah, I, I don't know if I said it to her or she said it. I'm not sure. But I said, you know, your job is you need to show, you need to sh show the physical proof of what was done to you. Because you can't show the emotional proof at that point. You know, the physical proof is you got branded, you know, in your groin with his initials. And that seemed to really like, you know, the alarm bells went off in, in, in culture everywhere. And then from, <laughs> from the, the New York Times article, then a division of the FBI in, in the um, uh, Eastern District of New York finally reached out and began investigating. And then he was arrested uh, in, I think it was March, 2018. Oh, oh we lost, lost Tara. Tara. Let me ask you something, just because I, I think this is interesting. <clears throat> Did you, was, it, the, the timing of all this is very interesting to me because it's 2017, so it almost feels like with the wave of the Me Too movement, obviously the New York Times is the one that broke that, the Harvey Weinstein story. Was that, like, did that give you guys strength to yes. to just so okay look they're breaking the wine scene story time yes. is like the momentum is on our side the time is now like if because if, i feel like me that too that had to give happened, you guys support if me too hadn't happened i don't know that we could have got the the leverage that we got but like when we realized oh me too is happening we thought we have to ride this this is our opportunity you know and so we focused a lot on what had been done to the woman because that was what people would pay attention to, you know? Yeah. Sure. So, you know, what had been done to Sarah and, and a lot of other people that, that, you know, the public doesn't even know about. Um, but we were like, thank God, this is finally the tide is turning. And yeah, we, we rode that, you know? But it was funny because, because of the Harvey Weinstein thing, our, 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 our story was being held in the New York Times for a long time. And we'd call and we'd call and we'd call and they'd say, well, the Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein. I say, yeah, motherfucker, it's the same shit. It's the same thing. Let's yeah. get it out there. And, you know, we had we had a number of fights with the uh, with the journalist. And, you know, it wasn't his fault. He was working for a very large organization. And at one point, by the way, sure, we had, we had this thought like, are they blocking this? Because we found out right. that one of, the, <laughs> one of the owners, one of the many owners of the New York Times was a very powerful man in Mexico who had a reason for this not to come out. And we thought, is that motherfucker actually stopping the story? We had all these crazy conspiracy theories. But anyway, it finally, it, it finally did come out. And yes, it hit that wave of Me Too. And then we got, you know, Moira Penn's this amazing prosecutor who became obsessed with the case. And so, you know, we were just feeding every single person we could. We we're just feeding to, to, to the FBI to go and tell them, you know, what had happened. And at first I was, I didn't know how much the FBI knew about about coercive control because all my experiences of law enforcement in 2017 was like, I was like, are you fucking people dumb? How do you <laughs> not understand what the fuck is going on? And so when I finally spoke to some of the agents, I said, I really need you guys to understand narcissism and sociopathy. You must understand that is what we're dealing with. And you must understand, you know, coercive control. You must yeah. understand all these things. Um, 
And they were very blank as, as agents will be at, certainly at the beginning because they don't want to, you know, influence anything. Don't want to let you know what's going on. I kept on saying, man, you're dealing with somebody. This, this man will pass a lie detector test, you know? Oh yeah. You're dealing with another animal here. Yeah. Um, but thank goodness they finally paid attention and, you know, took the case on. You were on Dr. Romney's podcast, I believe, correct? Mm. Yeah. So yeah. one of the things that I thought was interesting when both Tara and I were on there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I even asked my father in my film, do you think you're a sociopath? And he says, no, a sociopath is someone who has personality disorders or whatever. And then as I'm talking to Dr. Romney, she goes, he's not a sociopath. He's a psychopath. And she explained to me the difference between sociopathy and psychopathy and narcissism. Look, they all, they all have the similar traits, right? But she said with a psychopath, everything is calculated. Like there's no room, for, there's no margin for error. And that's how my father was. And I was like, oh my God. Yes. Do you think Keith Raniere is a psychopath? Yes. And you know, it's interesting just to, I want to, you know, your story, by the way, both of your stories are just, they're fucking heartbreaking and so intense. Um, I've been watching some of your stories. I, you know, I've been so obsessed with all of this with, you know, Nixium that I haven't seen a lot of other stuff. And, and partially also because I think some people love watching true crime. True crime is just hard for me because it's like, okay, I'm watching the shit that hurts so badly. It's difficult for me to watch, but, but for sure. knowing that I was going to talk to you guys, I did, you know, I listened to the podcast of Romani. I listened to some of your other stuff. Um, Collier, I saw a little bit of your film and it's funny when I saw you and your dad and I didn't, I haven't seen the whole thing yet, but I fast forwarded to that spot there where you yeah. sit down with your dad because I wanted to see what was going on and I was watching him and I'm like, oh, motherfucker's a psychopath. Because uh. of the reactions that I was expecting, like I wasn't even seeing like heart rate changes. I wasn't even seeing, if I could see his eyes, I, I don't think I'd be seeing pupil dilations of any kind. It was just like, flat and i'm like oh there's like nothing in there to react i don't know is your father i i don't mean to say that i know and this is interesting because i wanted i was telling tara last night i was like i'm going to ask mark about this but i want to say like the thing is if you notice when he comes into the room he's in a really good mood and then when i pull out that letter and i say and i say to him ever since you one of the things i've i've always been curious about ever since she murdered my mother, which is the first time I've ever said that to him. Yes. And my father, my father thought that I was, was convinced that I was making a film to help him get out of prison. Oh. So that's why he comes in there with this, oh. in this sort of jovial state. But you hadn't said that to him. And then when I, no, of course not. Mm -hmm. I never, but I also, <laughs> but I also never let him think that I wasn't doing okay. that. Okay. So one of the big, the big influences, and obviously, you know, Barbara Koppel directed the film and, yeah. A couple yeah. of days before, you know, Barbara and I were discussing, like, how are we going to handle the scene with your father? And I said, well, I have this idea. And I made a short film uh, about my story. And I was like, you know, art often imitates life. But what if life imitates art? And we were making this short film a couple of years before. The writer, who was a writer on Castle, she had found, I gave her all my father's letters. And she had found that letter. And she said, you know, when you, she said, uh, you know, we started discussing it and she said, do you remember writing this letter to your father? I said, I do remember it. I just haven't read it. And I thought, mm. what if I use that letter <laughs> and, and, and I, and I open it up and I say, why did you send this back to me? And, you know, we were going to softball it. You know, I, I said, either two things, I could softball it to him or I can come out both barrels. 
And right before we we're filming the scene, I come into the prison because I told them, I said, look, you guys need to film everything you can with my father. Because they were like, oh, we'll do your interview first with him. But I was like, mm. no, you won't. Mm. You're going to film everything you can because I have no idea how this man is going to react. Yes. And I, I come into the room and it's it's Barbara and, and John Morrissey, my friend who made American History X. Right, right. And which my father was like, oh, you're going to make a film with John Morrissey to help me get out of prison. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, or whatever. And I said to them, what do you think we should do? You think I should I should sit down and just talk to him and try to be rational? You think I should come out and say this letter, why? And John says to me, he goes, Collier, you know, I've sat there for 45 minutes with your father before filming. And not one time did he sit there and ask about you. It was all about him. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I give it to that motherfucker. And Barbara's like, yeah. oh yeah. It's like, oh yeah. yeah. And I did. And, but you know, you give, I think one of the things that you, that people have to understand about psychopaths, narcissists, sociopaths, even though they seem like this, they're, they're this incredible monster. They have such traits like extreme unwarranted hubris yeah. that you can use against them. All you have to yeah. do is give them enough rope. If you give yeah. them enough rope, they will hang themselves. You don't even have to do anything. Yeah. But what really struck me is that you said he looked over at you with like this, I forgive you, I still love you, I still support you. And the thing that bothered you the most was not that those thoughts took hold, but rather that those thoughts occurred in the first place. And I was like, yes. fuck, I'm so there yes. with that. I so understand yeah. that because you still don't want to believe that they're the monster. Yeah. That yeah. they are. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's interesting because I just want to pick up on, on, on your two stories because to me, when I really like started to study what happened to both of you, I was like the horror to me. I was, you know, I imagined the horror of like truly seeing how dark the world can be is, is sometimes almost overwhelming. And I think yeah. that's why when we've seen dark shit, we can relate to each other so well because there's a lot of people that, they just can't even go there. They just can't go there. Like it's like their psyche can't handle it. And so in, in our cases, and more specifically in the two of you, the intensity of the experience, you know, you, 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 it's undeniable. You know, this is the truth. These people, these people exist. But it was interesting, like you said, there's always that thought back there, you know, is this totally true? Is it really this bad, you know? Just the thought, but yes, it didn't. It didn't take hold. the 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 defense attorney though messed with me a lot. Sure, that really messed me up. You know, you'll see that in, in season two. You see more of that. That really. He seemed like he was very competent. Gonna, he was extremely good at his job. I mean, if if the job is is gaslighting and destabilizing your psyche, he was very good at it. One of the best. Well, you know, he disarmed, and I yeah. was like, motherfucker, that's yeah. that guy's good. That guy's good. He yeah. he is, but you know, um, one of the things I remember worrying about, I was worried about the jury, and I, and I was talking to the prosecutors before I went in, and I was worried about certain things, and they said to me, these are ordinary people. It's very true. That are going to no doubt feel that you protecting your wife was a very good thing, and you being horrified about things is a very good thing, because that's what normal people feel. I was like, right. So when he was doing that shit with the jury, I was worried all the time, but by the time, so I didn't, you know, I was, I was in the courthouse for like 
maybe a week old together. I was on I was on the stand a total of like four days, I think. I couldn't come back to the courtroom until the very end, until final closing arguments. But when I saw the closing arguments and I saw the shit he was trying to do, I was like, oh, they're not buying it. They are not. They're not buying it. It's, it's a all sh this all shucks kind of thing, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and also the prosecution was devastating. The prosecution, I mean, they're, they're, there was there's this, the Mark Lesko is this one, the, the the prosecutor she wasn't having any of this nonsense no she's she was so that strong she was so good but but you know when it came to the, the the sort of the the so what happens is the the prosecution does their thing the defense does their thing the prosecution gets to do their thing again um mark lesko did that part and mark lesko was the guy that that that, that worked with me um specifically and he walked out and he said the defense wants you to believe that if i drop this cup it's going to go up. But you know what actually happens in reality? He drops the cup and it hits the floor. That's reality. And it was such a powerful visual statement that I was like, oh, oh motherfuckers just sunk him. You know, wow. he sunk. Wow. It, was so, it was so plain and so simple because the defense was all this flowery bullshit and he's a special kind of love. And I'm like, Who the, what is this, a horrible romance novel? You know, and then the clarity... Wow of the prosecution, which was just like, okay, all that shit's fine, but this is how reality works. This is data. This is what he did. You know, all those reasons are, you know, whatever, whatever reasons. It was very powerful. But listen, uh, Collier, I, when I saw you, when I saw the stuff of you in court, I was like, oh my God, I'm sure you'd never want to be in a position like that again. Because I know I never want to be in a position, you know, where I have to go to court like that, you know? Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I've done my time. I'm good. You have, man. You have. But yeah, it's, it's, I have, you know, I have so many, so many thoughts still about everything that's gone on. And it's funny. I think, I think Collier, you said that you do your, your one podcast that you do the solo podcast you do to kind of like heal yourself. And mm -hmm. I think that's part of why I also started doing podcasts is just, you know, trying to like make sense of things. A lot of the vow was that as well, by the way. The vow, yeah. the vow for me was just, I was defragging on camera, you know? But, but at the same time, you know, my constant feeling was that we don't, we aren't guaranteed that this guy's going down. So we're going to document absolutely everything. Yeah. Because if he doesn't go down and he comes after us, we have the proof of everything we did. It's on camera. Like literally other than, sleeping everything else was sh was being shot yeah you know there's so much that is not in the vow because because i wanted i had this obsessive desire for proof i mean i at one point i went to confront people you know in albany and in in vermont and i said please can i have a crew with me you know because i wanted proof because yeah. i knew what would happen is they would try to accuse us of all kinds of things and we sure. always say okay the, here's the here's the video right here of what happened you know, and also what happened is that I felt so, um, at that point I felt so guilty that I could, that I hadn't seen what was going on and that all my friends had got so hurt and it felt, almost, it's, it's delusional, but it felt almost like if I hadn't been so stupid, I could have saved a lot of pain for people, which is not true because I wasn't trained in how to, you know, how to see psychopaths. I wasn't, I wasn't trained for that. I was trained to like be a person that like believes in goodness. Um, 
So I struggled with a lot of those feelings. That's how you know you're different from him too, by the way. You know, you have the empathy and he's like, nope. Yeah, but I think what happened is that, I don't know, I felt this, um, such a sense of responsibility because I always felt, I always, you know, on every team, on every crew, on every, everything I'm, I'm on, I'm always, I feel so responsible for everything, right? You know, you can relate to that being on a, on a film set, but of course. Then what happens is if people get hurt, like in this case, then I then I feel this double, triple responsibility, and then I'm then I was beating myself up for not having seen, you know, what was going on. Um, but it, it motivated me to be like, we have to show the world how these things work, so nothing is off limits. Shoot everything, you know, all the ugliness. I mean, people don't know this necessarily, but I mean, Bonnie was never wearing makeup. We were like, this is not what, this is not a show like that. This is like life. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the verite of, of what's happening when it happens, you know? Um, and I'm profoundly proud of, of, you know, what, what the vow became, because I think it did, it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't sit, stop and say, okay, well, this is how a coercive control works. It just, you live it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and like the, all those recordings, you know, when, I'm talking to him when Bonnie's talking to him, when other people are talking to him, you can hear the gaslighting. You can hear what he's doing. You don't need an expert there to explain to you what he's doing. It's like, you can hear it, you know? Yeah. Well, I also think it's interesting and I would definitely sign up for this because I think that he talked a lot about new age stuff and a lot about like quantum yeah. physics even. And that's like, there's a lot of truth in that stuff, but it's like, yeah. you know, they can still make up stuff to pull over your head and be like, Oh, well this and that, because like there is logic yeah. behind some of the things that he says. It's true. You're right. You're absolutely right. Like I was thinking, you know, you know, the whole thing in the new age about like, you know, your ego is what's in the way and the, yeah. you know, there's a deeper sense of self, a deeper you. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, the, the, the problem was, it's a longer discussion about spirituality, but sure. the problem was then, then, okay, well, let's break the ego down. It just so happens that breaking people's ego down served him because he couldn't keep his dick in his pants and he needed to control everybody. So the cover story was, we need to break your pride down. You need to surrender, you know, to, to more of the, the, the true nature of reality, which really means you need to surrender to me. And that's the, that's the trick. And so what happens is it poisons all of those ideas for you. You know, the, the idea of being a noble self, of being a nobler version of yourself. Like maybe if I didn't have so many... I don't know, self-centered thoughts or egotistical or, or anger or whatever, then I'd be more of my true self. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be, be able to give my gifts to the world in a better way. So there's these beautiful, beautiful ideas, but so, so twisted. And, and that's the thing that, 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 that I think messed a lot of people up in, 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 I think it's like spiritual abuse, you know, people that go to churches and then realize like, oh, the, the, the leader's diddling everybody and it wasn't about God or divinity after all. It was about their sexual appetite or whatever. Yeah. It breaks, it breaks your spirituality, you know? And that's what happened with a lot of, a lot of people, including me. Is that how you break it down? Is that, is that what you, you think in, in, when you break it all down is literally, this is a guy who couldn't keep his dick in his pants that wanted to control everybody? No, I don't. I think, 
I think those are those are sort of the the outward um, signs of it. I think I think this is somebody that has a god complex that has that is completely unaware of his own raging emptiness and controlling everything was the fuel he needed to feel some kind of valuable value or sense of self or whatever it is. Um, I think the, you know, couldn't keep his dick in the pants, just another way of control. I think this is somebody who had big mommy issues. This is somebody who I believe got rejected at some point and hated women. Interesting. I mean, listen, I heard stories. I don't know if it's true, but I heard stories in 2017. People said to me, oh, he raped his mother. I'm like, that kind of makes sense. Wow. You know, like some fucked up shit where you love and you hate your mother. And now you're trying to, every woman you meet, you're trying to like break her down, rip her soul out and, and get her so skinny that she can't think straight anymore. Like you want to be their God. It's super, super messed up. But it, it, to me, it all comes back to, okay, just look it's at- It's insidious. Yeah, but look at narcissism. It basically like the person needs fuel. We yeah. were his fuel. And he had so much fuel because the whole system was designed to give him utmost respect at all times. And so he was in a bubble all the time. I mean, the one time, I mean, he left the, he left the Albany area a few times, but the one time I went with him to, to India, um, we were at the airport in, in, in London Heathrow. He didn't know how to do anything. Like he was like a little boy that didn't know how to do anything. And I was thinking to myself, oh, that's so sweet. He's like so consumed with yeah. the world's issues that he doesn't know how to do things. And then later I'm like, no, he just needed his bubble so badly when he's out of his bubble. The only reason he, he, he left the bubble was to go meet the Dalai Lama. Yeah. You know, but he's a, a little, they're all in the end, and I'm talking about, you know, the, the malignant narcissist part of the person. They're little yeah. children that just never grew up. They got stuck somewhere, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what's it's, you know what's interesting is that uh, one of the things that that really stuck out to me was the twelve point mission statement that they yeah. you guys read, and the way that they summed it up, there are no such things as victims, and anything that happens yes. to you is created by you. Yeah, like that, <laughs> like that statement. Yes. I like when I heard that that was so poignant. I thought that's at the core of what it is because she could always reflect that back to the followers. Well, you know yes. what? You're not a victim. You're creating this. You allowed me to yes. put the brand on you. You allowed me. And I remember yes. somebody was saying, you know, just even his interactions of the, the girl saying, well, you know, I'm a hundred, I think she said, I'm 111 and a half pounds, like 111 and a half pounds. I'm really trying to lose that other half a pound or I'll get it down. Don't worry. I'll get it. And I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. And then you can say, well, you're yeah. creating this and just, I mean, they're just master manipulators. And they I think are. you see and this by the way, just. Every cult leader, same shit. It's all the same. Every, every abuser, it's all the same. They're all, they do the same yes. shit. It's, it's not me. It's, you know, you're causing it, you're creating it. I mean, the, the 12 point mission statement was like that. Then also uh, in the men's movement and the women's movement, the, one of the credos was, how are you causing this? This thing you're upset about, how are wow. you causing it? How are you creating it? This upset you have. And so the, the women were led to believe that they were having actual real conversations with, uh, you know, real relationships with him. 
And then he'd start fucking around with somebody else and they'd feel upset. And then he'd basically say, well, how is this upset your creation? Oh, wow. Like, wow. It's insidious. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's very insidious. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, and also like, it means he can do anything he wants and any reaction you have is your fault, you know? Well, yeah. and it just like what he's doing too, because he's the brain as females too. We are actually prone and like our brains are trained us to get jealous in certain situations. Mm. So he's taking our brains and we're like fighting with ourselves in that moment. Because mm. like we are, our bodies are taught to be a little bit jealous so that you don't breed with other people. It's just our brains. So it's really I interesting. I did not know that. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Um, I read the book Behave. It's a really great book. I okay. really recommend it to anyone trying to understand psychopathy. But the yeah. female brain, if you have like a normal female brain, you're actually taught to get jealous over women in certain situations. Um, just so you want to like protect that person so that you're the only one breeding with them and so that they don't go spread oh. their seed everywhere. It's a weird oh, thing. So it's a natural built-in <laughs> biological thing. Yeah. That's so yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's so but but men have but men have the jealousy as well, I guess. Yes. Because you're taught to like you need to procreate with only each other. And then it's like, okay, so like these jealousy things, it's our natural way of like trying to be like, oh, no, she's mine. Okay. That's so interesting. I did not know that. I did not know that that was a, a natural. That's so interesting. Yeah. No, I had to what's understand the, what's that. What's it called again? Um, book. It's called Behave. It's by Behave. Robert right. Sarkowski, I think his name is. Okay. Yeah. I'll it's like it 19 hours, but it's really great. Nice. That's so interesting. Yes. But yeah, you're right. I mean, basically, as you say, there's these natural things, and then he would weaponize that natural thing as as a re an unhealthy reaction that you were having. Yeah. And by the way, every single cult leader that does this polyamorous bullshit, which Ranieri used to call polyfuckery, um, <laughs> did does the same thing. It's basically like, because what happens is they get obsessed with somebody, then they get bored, then they go into somebody else, then they go, yeah. the old person they're getting, getting jealous, they talk about how that's, that's a, a limitation to their growth, is the kind of thing they always say. So now the other one, who's feeling immense jealousy, realizes she's a piece of shit for feeling immense jealousy. She has to fix herself. And to truly be an enlightened being or person, she has to be allowing of, he, he can sleep with whoever he wants. And so it just so happens that that, you know, institutionalized darvo that the cult leader is doing serves his own, you know, appetites. Right? Yeah. It's fucked up shit. Yeah. And then like the, Two hemispheres of the brain are just fighting with each other. They're like, I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> totally. And and unfortunately, what happens with empathic people is we always come back to, must be me. Let me just figure yeah. out what's wrong with me. I mean, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. You know, that's the thing I always think about is how they weaponize uh, people's empathy. Because they know that if they say the right thing, the person will go spinning off, you know, in in a loop about what they did wrong and they're not a good person and yada, 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 you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, oh yeah. It is, as you said, insidious <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, it's, but, um, but you know, the thing that I was thinking about, I was thinking about your, your name survivor squad as well. Um, Mike Rinder, when we did our, when we did our podcast, he and I, 
he said something, he reminded me of something that I kind of forgot, which is like one of the greatest things you can do is connect with other people that have been through similar things because you stop feeling so alone. And that was at first yeah. very difficult because a lot of people are in my life were shaming me for like, you're supposed to be intelligent. What the fuck's wrong with you? And there was so much shame coming my way and so much uh, vilification in the press, which you guys got as well, I believe. You got a lot of vilification in the press. And so- Tara still you... gets it. Oh yeah. Still gets it. Oh man. I get called horrible. a killer. You do? I'm so sorry. I'm it's so okay. sorry. That's just horrible. And that's the thing is like, when I connect with other people, there is never the, I'm never going to get a question from you guys of like, how did you not see it? <laughs> Why were you so stupid? I'm never going to get that question from you guys ever. This is not going to happen because like, even if, even if you haven't been through my situation and I haven't been through your situation, I can put myself in your situation and go like, holy fucking shit. You know, that's, in, that's intense. And, and, you know, Everybody's just doing the best they can in, in these weird trauma bonded situations. Yeah. The scary thing is, is that it can happen again. You hope that you learn from it. Right. But it sometimes can be, you know, and I, and I, and I'm not saying that that will happen or that it'll happen to any of us, but you know, as an empathetic person, you, and as someone who's a seeker, right. And you're, you're always looking for ways to improve yourself. But it, it is very interesting when people try to pontificate. They're just like, oh, yeah, well, I wouldn't have fallen for that. I would have done that. Oh, really? I know. You wouldn't have. I know. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very easy. It's, it, you know, it, it's very easy. I always say to Tara when people, you know, often excoriate her for, or you, you know, you, you kill someone and this, that, and the other. It's like, that's really easy for you to say, like, oh, why didn't you sit there and talk it out? You know, she did run from, she did run. Like, what was there like a negotiation that was like, hey, I know that you have a knife in your hand. I know that you have a kidnap kit in your car and multiple knives. Uh, and then you've been stalking us for months. But can we, can we talk about this, John? Can we, can we have yeah. a discussion? Can yeah. we? And he no. also said, do you remember me? So uh, that's not really a conversation starter. That's more like, I'm going to kill no. you right now kind Honestly, of thing. <laughs> from what I know of that, that moment in the parking lot, I hope that if I was in the same situation, I would have had the bravery to do what you did. Thank like you. I hope I have it in me to do that. Thank because you. in my mind, you did like, it is so 1000% right what you did that Thank I'm like, I, I hope if, if I'm in a situation like that, I do the same thing. You know, that's, that's my perspective on things. Thank you. I mean, you grew what? up in Africa. You, you like, are you going to negotiate with the, the, the lioness in the no, middle of the plains? You're going to be, you're gonna be like, you do not. Oh, and that's, yeah. And that's a good point. You know, I, I like that you're saying that because these, these, these people are predators. They're like, a, yes, they're they like are. another species. Yes, you know? they are. You can't reason with them. And you're like, people told me to this day, I have people pissed off at me that, well, why didn't you talk to him? Why didn't you have a discussion with him about this? I'm like, motherfucker, do you realize what I was dealing with? Do you, do you not get who he is? Yeah. You know? You can't negotiate, you can't have a discussion with these people. Once you realize who they are, you do what you need to do. You know? but, but you did have discussions with him. You you did you did have I moments know. where you were asking him and trying to understand it. He he's not stupid. He knew what you were getting at. No. He did, they, <laughs> No. No, but what they wanted me to do was have a discussion inside the system using the tech to to figure this all out. I'm like why would I use the tech 
that was being used to destroy everybody, why would I walk into the lion's den and have that discussion? The tech serves him, and that's the only person it serves. The tech serves him. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. I mean, and, and this is the thing I realized later is just like, oh, so all these abusive relationships, they're just cults, basically, you know, or the cult is just this, a big abusive relationship. It's all the same yeah. thing, you know? Absolutely. And that's, you know, I, th I don't know if you, you guys know this, but I'm, I'm making a, a series now called um, Empathy Not Included about narcissism and narcissistic abuse. Okay. And it's Very basically, cool. you know, all about narcissistic abuse and, and malignant narcissism as it bumps into sociopathy and psychopathy, that, that far end of it, but how it happens at every scale, like how it happens in, you know, you know, intimate relationships, you know, in families, in, in corporations, in churches and in cults, you know, into political parties and in entire, you know, political systems. Uh, because I'm seeing the same pattern happening, you know, across all these different scales. So that's my obsession right now. And that's, um, what I've been, that's what I was just, you know, I, I, I did my second last shoot over the last few weeks and then I'm gonna do my last shoot in, in February before we work towards a, a lock cut. But that's my obsession right now. I love this. Is that another doc? Yeah, it's a doc series. Um, and it's, you know, we're not sure how many episodes it is yet, but it's, it's, it's a hell of a project because, you know, we're looking, we're you're talking to clinicians, we're talking to, um, you know, experts in the field where we're following a number of people's stories and, you know, we're talking to self-confessed narcissists and in the end, you know, we're also, um, I, we're, we're, I think we've, we're, we're achieving it. We're showing people like after going to hell, there is good news. There is this sense of self that you find on the other side of terrible, terrible tragedy Yeah, and a self-knowledge that and honestly, when I listened, I listened to some of you guys talking, um, you know, in, in the press, I was like, yeah, I, these guys know what I'm talking about. There's this, there's this self-awareness that starts to come. Yeah. And, and it's, and I don't know it's, it, if it's because you saw hell, maybe it is, maybe it is, but it seems like it may have had something to do with it. You've seen um, such darkness that it, it, it makes, I think it makes us a, a, a deeper human being. You know, I think because like now I feel a level of compassion. Honestly, for a lot of my life, I think I felt very, and maybe this is part of the film business as well. You know, this whole call, you know, this whole cinematic community, we think we're like a big deal and, you know, you know, we're yeah. yada, yada above everybody else that broke, that broke in me. Uh, when I realized like, I'm just, a, I'm just a like normal or maybe below normal human being with all these feelings that I've been avoiding my whole life. And what happens when you hit a crisis point, you can't avoid any of the feelings anymore. And then you start to look at other people and you go like, oh shit, what, maybe they're feeling that too. You know? Yeah. And, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's made everything weirdly richer. And I mean, that the amazing connections and friendships I've made with people, you know, that, yeah. that get it and that, that teach me things. And they go, well, was it like this? Was it like that? They, they, they say, they say, something in a certain way and I'm like oh yeah that is how I would describe it I never I never had the words for it that's exactly what it is you know so it's it's there's good news yeah I think with the healing journey there needs to be a certain level of awareness when you start your healing journey and then you go down that route and then you're like okay I need to find my community my people it's like this whole process you know right right Right, and that's a lot of the work you guys are doing now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah like we yeah. really found a lot of people 
in this space that, you know, have really off the wall kind of stories, you know, not not the normal stories of like this yeah. one person gets married and marries Joe and then they're happily ever after, you know? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> we get the tragedy right. and I think it's really important to connect with so many people. And so it's really great having this podcast even. And I also do true crime meetups. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah. yeah. Because it's just like wow. you find your people and you just, you can understand each other and there's no shame there. Yeah. I wanted to ask you guys a question because, you know, in in making this, the series that we're doing right now, I mean, I, I listen to some dark stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm behind the camera and there are times that I'm, I, I cry. Um, and it's, it doesn't traumatize me, but I am emotionally hungover after oh, sure. being on the road for like weeks and weeks and weeks and just listening to just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Like it takes a little regrouping for me. Do, do you guys have that too? 100%. Yeah, it's called a trauma hangover. Trauma hangover, yeah. That's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Because your body has to process everything now. Especially when it hits close mm -hmm. to home. Yeah. Yes. And then my dreams are insane. Yes, exactly. Yeah, when it hits closer to home, you know, and I think that that's one of the things that, again, it's the relatability. And I always say to Tara, you know, we're all members of a squad that no one really wants to be a part of, but we're all part of the survivor squad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it is you find this, not only this kinship, but this just this level of, of you know, there's understanding and then there's knowing, right? You can understand, you yeah. can comprehend, but you don't know what it's like until you walk a mile yeah. in those shoes. And it's, and, yeah. and especially with something that is so insidious as narcissism, manipulation, you know, you're, you're unaware of it. And it's interesting you mentioned, you know, how you delve into it in this new series. It is so beautiful and so wonderful to be able to take your art or make your life into your your art. You know, there's yeah. a, you, you've seen Deconstruct, yeah. Deconstructing Harry, right? No, never. I won't even ask if Tara, you've never seen, oh, God, oh okay. No. So there's okay, a scene where Woody Allen is in, you know, it's, you know, it's a Woody Allen movie, right? So there's yeah. Billy Crystal, who's like his rival who runs off with Elizabeth oh, Shue, who is his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. And she's, yeah. And, he, and she says something that's very, so poignant to him. You put your art into your work. I put my art into my life. And it's interesting when you can take your your life and make that into art that then helps other people, like you've done, yeah, like yeah. like Tara's done, like I've done. You know, I became a filmmaker yeah. to 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 tell a story. <laughs> you know, that's how I that's why I became that's why I moved to Hollywood to become a filmmaker. That's interesting. That was it. I was I have to tell the story. Was that the thing that pushed you? Was like you had things because of everything you went through. You had this urge, like you wanted to tell stories about what you went through. One hundred percent. That was it. That was yeah. the sole focus. And I was like, I'm just going to figure out how to do this. And it take, you know, yeah. coming out here with, you know, no money in your pocket and just like figuring it out. You know, I, I dropped out of music school. I moved to LA. I was like, okay, I'm just going to just, I'm going to figure this out. And right. it wasn't until I met, you know, I saw American History X in 1999 and then I met John Morrissey, the producer of that, you know, nine years yeah. later, randomly through, yeah. <laughs> through MySpace. And then we became friends. Crazy. Also, interestingly enough, I knew people that were, in that Nexium crowd, because it sort of really it sort of 
floated around us. And I remember people talking to my, my girlfriend and I about it because we had two copies of what the bleep we had our copy and we had a copy that we gave right. people. <laughs> and I remember right, somebody saying, right. Oh yeah. With and telling the whole, the whole story of all of it. And I was like, Oh no. And we, <laughs> Just remember, we looked at each other. We're like, "Oh, yeah, no, that oh, sounds that sounds that sounds interesting." And and I think that uh, yeah, it, yeah well, we were just good, like, oh, good "I don't know." Good choice. By the way, they used they used they used my reputation, and they used what the bleep like constantly. Yeah, of course. You know, and that's what these people do. They they just they 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 use all everybody around them to like you know prop up the thing and make it look legitimate. Um, but man, they use that nonstop yeah nonstop one thing i want to say quickly just to go back to what you were saying about and then we'll wrap up under you know having a, a sort of insight into each other i i will tell you that like tara and listening to your story uh, that the the way you you know you describe having you know having to, to stab him and everything that happened and then the way you feel so apologetic to the family i was like holy shit that first of all it's so beautiful not not the violence that Thank you have you. to go through but so beautiful that that was your thought, and I and I was thinking as I was watching in, in the a little bit that clip in the um, in the in the fiction the the, narr the the narrative series where where she's crying, and and just how much she cares, and I think that the other person says that the fact that this is what you're worried about shows what kind of person you are, kind of thing. I thought it was so amazing, and then Collier watching you on the stand when you're a kid just it fucking broke me. It's like oh. Shit shit you know like i haven't been in that exact situation but in both those situations i feel like oh i think i can imagine how sure. fucking devastating that is you know yeah so well thank yeah, kudos you. To you guys really I, I can't wait to actually get stuck into the story properly and watch, you know, watch all the shows you know completely well thank you yeah and and, and kudos to you too you know because when watching you and i completely related to you just you prepping to go into that courtroom I'm like, I was there. Like, I know what that man is going through. Yeah. Yes. You know, and I didn't understand at the time that my father was a narcissist. I didn't know what a narcissist or a psychopath was or any of that stuff. Mm. I just knew that this was an evil person that tried to destroy, that destroyed my life and that destroyed my family and destroyed the, li the life of the person I love the most in this world, you know? And that's where I, where I was coming from with it. And I was like, this is... And, and I think that you were the same way. Like this is a bad guy that needs to never yeah. be free again. Exactly right. Exactly right. And the difference between us and them is we have empathy and they don't. We do. So on yeah. that note. <laughs> we do. We do. Where can I find you on social media and everything? Uh, I'm I'm more of an Instagram person, you know. Uh, uh, so Mark, you know, Mark Vicente on on Instagram and then also it links to uh, another uh, Instagram account uh, for Empathy Not Included. I'm a little bit on Twitter, but Twitter is such a nasty place that I don't go there a lot. Um, but that's mostly where I am. I, I tried TikTok, but I'm like, ah, couldn't be <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Bothered. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and talking with us. Thank I feel you. that we just connected so much with you, especially being a part of the industry. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a, there's a lot of common. Yeah. We're all part of a squad, but uh, a squad that nobody wants to be a part of. Nobody wants to be part of this one, right? That's so yeah. true. That's so true. That's a great, that's a great tagline, right? That's a great tagline. 
Thank yeah. You. Nobody wants yeah. to be part of the squad, but when you are part of it, you're like very grateful. Yes, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, uh, Mark, thank you so much, man. Enjoy beautiful Lisbon. All right. Thanks, guys. Every time I meet a survivor, I'm just blown away by their story. I don't know about you. Especially, I think I think it always it hits home for you with the coercive control and the manipulation, and obviously dealing with John Meehan and that whole ordeal that your family was put through with that. I can see why these stories are just harder, uh, not harder to listen to, but you have you find that kindred spirit with someone. But it's just it's. It's there's so much good in the world for people that do such destruction. I'll never understand it, but I find a lot of similarities with Keith Raniere and my father too. So it's the it's the Svengali effect, if you will, and um, you know it's uh, and, and the hubris of all of it is the thing I think is the craziest. What is hubris? Hubris. So hubris is Latin for uh, overwhelming sense of pride or pridefulness or um just godlike you you think of yourself as like a god or you just you know when you're full of hubris you're just completely self-absorbed and it's it's a, it's a trait of narcissism for sure but it always leads to their downfall they always say pride cometh before the fall and there you have it and now this guy's in prison for 122 million years oh wow i can think of so many guys that have that word for them <laughs> have that quality that trait <laughs> yeah sure. you know your dad my stepdad i don't really call him that ever but dirty john um you know keith billy jensen there's just so many people out there yeah there are absolutely yeah absolutely we're all a part of a squad that no one really wants to be a part of but we're all a part of the survivor squad Yes. And in speaking of that, we're going to meet so many people at CrimeCon. Yes. CrimeCon 2023 in Orlando, Florida. Orlando, get ready. Yes. We are coming to you with all of our friends. Uh, well, a lot of yes. our friends are going to be there and it's going to be great to connect with anyone. I got to go to CrimeCon last year. I had a lot of fun and we're actually going to have like a proper booth and we're going to set up some events for uh, people to come and do meet and greets outside of the show. We're going to, we're going to partner with a local either pub or restaurant or venue to just do like meet and greets. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And so if you're in the Orlando area and you have a spot and you want to collab, please hit us up. Let us know we are looking for a place. And then we also have a code for you guys squad to get 10% off your badge. Yes. So the badges for the top tiers are sold out, but there's the, the general badges are still left. And check it out. You can get a discount of 10% off your badge for this year's CrimeCon in Orlando, Florida. The dates are September 22nd through the 24th. Check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's so many great people that we've even had on this show that are going to be there. So I'm, I'm really excited and we hope to see all you all y'all there. That link will be in the show notes of today's episode. So check it out. On that note, Survivors, I'm Tara Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. We'll see you guys. Bye. The Survivor Squad Podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.